Good morning, everyone. My name is Gene, and I am a, a leader here at Grace Fellowship Church. I love music. And for me, there is no one in the music scene like Josh Garrels. Josh finds himself in this sort of Christian, light rock, indie genre. And there is no one like him to me who walks the line of commitment to Christ and being cool at the same time. There is no one like him to me. Do you have something like this in your life? Something that is like nothing else? Maybe it's a a musician, maybe it's a sports team, a car, a superhero, a job, maybe it's your family. What is like nothing else to you? This morning we are going to see that what is better than all these things and more in being unique, in being worthy of admiration, in being set apart is the Lord. We'll be in Exodus 15. If you have a church Bible, it's on page 37. Go ahead and turn there. In today's text, we're going to see this. We're going to celebrate that there is none like the Lord who triumphs gloriously by sinking his enemies and guiding his people to the place of worship. Celebrate this. There is none like the Lord who triumphs gloriously by sinking his enemies and guiding his people to the place of worship. In many ways, the text that we looked at last week, that was the epic plot and the, the victory of the Lord. And this week is the people's musical expression of praise and response. Last week was the hard work. This week is the dance party. In case you are visiting or you are uh, new to the Bible, we are in Exodus. We're going through Exodus as a church. And so far, this book has told us uh, about how God has rescued his people, the Israelites, from slavery in Egypt. Last week, we talked about how God physically parted a sea so that his people could go through and, and told us how he saved his people and how he drowned his enemies, the Egyptians. So, this week is extra exciting for a number of reasons. One, we changed up worship. Two, as far as I'm aware, this is the only poem in all of Exodus. And three, this week marks the climax of our first section. It's a, it's a climax in the book. We have reached the end of our book section. The house of slavery has been demolished. And now we are progressing into the God who prepares to rebuild. And here's one more reason to be excited about today's passage. There is a chiasm in Exodus 15. Let me explain what a chiasm is. It is I'm, I'm going to use the word all throughout the sermon. So I think it's worth explaining. It is a, a fancy biblical word for the structuring of a passage. This structure, it causes the reader to focus on what's at the center. So it could follow a structure like this. It could be A, B, C, B, A. With two A's, one at the beginning, one at the end. And then as you move closer to the, the middle, you, you see two B themes that relate to each other. And then you move a little bit closer to the center and you, you see the C theme, the, the most important idea 
That's often where the author makes his chief points. So, for example, in today's text, we are going to see at the beginning and at the end, there is this idea of God triumphing gloriously and singing to this God who triumphs gloriously. And then from there, as we move toward the center, we'll see how God interacts with certain groups of people. How he sinks his enemies and how he raises his people. And then at the center, our most important idea for today. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? All this we will talk about this morning. And you might have already noticed your outline is structured in that chiastic way. First, we're going to talk about singing to the Lord who triumphs gloriously. Then we'll look at the Lord who sinks his enemies and raises his people. And then we'll finish by talking about who else is like the Lord. Who is like you, O Lord? I'm going to pray and then we can, I'll, I'll read uh, from Exodus 15. Father, we give you praise and honor uh, this morning. Thank you for the chance to gather. Lord, would you show us this morning that there, was no, there is no one like you. You are set apart, you are different, and you are worthy of praise. And we pray this for the betterment of your people and for the growth of your church. In Jesus' name, amen. So, sing to the Lord who triumphs gloriously. First, I'm going to read. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my desire shall have its fill of them, I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders, you stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom, whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. 
Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand. And all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider He has thrown into the sea. Sing to the Lord who triumphs gloriously. We're going to look at the first three verses and the last three, 19 through 21. And if you haven't noticed, the the passage, the song is bookended by these words. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Moses and the people that sing this in verse 1, and then Miriam sings this to the women in 21. And of course, they are, they are singing about what we read last week, the Lord drowning the Egyptians and Him preserving the Israelites. Here's one observation I found striking. In the first three verses, the word the, the Lord comes up five times. And God comes up twice in those two verses. This is all about how the Lord has triumphed. And then if we see, if we look to the ends, 19 through 21, we see a very similar message. This time it's Miriam, Aaron's sister, who's proclaiming it and who's leading the women. In verse 19, the, the passage retells a bit of what God has done. And because God has triumphed so victoriously, we get verse 20. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out, and Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and His rider He has thrown into the sea. Miriam and the women, they didn't get enough singing the first time around. They go out again, dancing and praising this God who has delivered them. When people are excited about something, they get together and they sing about it. I was uh, in the student section during Joe Paterno's 409th win. And this win made him the, the winningest coach in major college football history. And after the game ended, we stood there in the student section for about an hour singing Penn State fight songs. The arms around each other. We were delighting in the victory that just happened and in Joe Paterno, the winningest coach. How much more should you and I be eager to worship this Lord who delivers and who has delivered us? So why do these these words bookend our passage? We all worship something. 
The Israelites were made to worship. We are made to worship. There is something inside of us that wants to sing to one who triumphs and one who drowns evil and one who saves his people in great glory. Don't you want to sing to something higher? So how do we apply this? I think this one is more straightforward. Let's sing. Sing to the Lord who triumphs gloriously. Sing to Him who has drowned your sins and delivered you from death. And like Dan already said, you'll get the chance to do this. You'll get to apply it right uh, right away this morning. We're going to be singing four songs after the message. And as you sing, I, I encourage you, feel free to imagine yourself uh, with Moses and Israel as they are singing to this great God who has delivered. So, that was the first point. Let's talk about point two. The Lord sinks His enemies and raises His people. So, for this, we are moving closer to the center. We are seeing in in verses 4-10 through how God sinks His enemies and then in the corresponding section in the chiasm, we are seeing uh, or going to see how He raises His people to be on the holy mountain. But first, God sinks his enemies in 4 through 10. Verse 8, At the blast of your nostrils, Lord, the waters piled up. Verse 10, You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. God moves the water on top of the Egyptians and He sinks their pride and their presumption. Three times in this little section, 4 through 10, It says that God sank His enemies. Verse 4, Egypt's chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. Verse 5, the floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Verse 10, they sank like lead in the mighty waters. The Lord has sunk His enemies. They are not being raised. They are sinking. And then, if you... If you look in 13 through 18, we see the opposite imagery. We see God's people being raised. Ascending a mountain, a holy mountain, is the opposite imagery of of sinking in the sea. Going up instead of going down. Take a look at verse 13. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Verse 17, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary. So, this is a little confusing. What are the people singing about? They are singing about Jerusalem. They are singing about God's holy hill. The place where the holy temple will one day be built. And this is confusing because the people are still in the wilderness. They haven't inherited the promised land, let alone built the temple on on Jerusalem's hill. At this point, they'll be in the wilderness for another 40 years. So, what? how are they singing this? As best I can tell, these people 
are singing by the Spirit's guidance of what will one day be true. One day, these people will inherit the promised land. They will build a temple in Jerusalem. And they will be planted on the holy mountain. So, God's people are raised. God's enemies are sunk. Why is this contrast here? Why do the people sing of this contrast? I think part of it is the Lord wants to make known how He works opposite to that of the world. In the world, the powerful are raised and the weak sink. But the Lord, He is in the business of raising up the weak and and the helpless and sinking deep the pride of the powerful. We see the same thing in the New Testament, don't we? The righteous man who needs no repentance, he is not saved by Christ. But the tax collector who beats his breast and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He is the one who is raised and who is saved by Christ. How do we apply this? Christian, this means that you will be raised, you will be delivered, you will rise to the place of worship in heaven. For those of you who wouldn't call yourselves believers in Christ, did you know that God sinks His enemies? That they they do not go up. They get sunk. Elsewhere in the Bible, we learn that sin makes us enemies of God. And without someone to cleanse us from that sin, we remain enemies of God. This is why Christians focus so much on Jesus. Because what Jesus does is He cleanses us from sin and makes us no longer enemies. He makes us people of God. And so instead of sinking in death, we are raised in life. So, God sinks His enemies. He raises His people. Let's take a look at our third point. The very center of the chiasm. Who is like you, O Lord? So, in the middle of the chiasm, verses 11 and 12, we read these words. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. The author wants us to focus our attention here. And on the way in, we saw bookends of singing and we moved a little closer. We saw how God treats different groups of people. And now we're here. Who is like you, O Lord? Moses and the people sing this. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? And what's the answer, Christian? No one is like the Lord. That is the rhetorical answer. No one else is majestic in holiness. No one else is awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders like these. No one else stretches out his right hand and causes the earth to swallow his enemy. No one. Why is this at the center of the chiasm? 
What else would be at the center? It's all about the uniqueness of the Lord. What if we had Moses at the center, or Miriam, or, or even Egypt? That would communicate a different message. It wouldn't be all about the Lord. It would be about something else. But it is all about the Lord. It is all about Him. He is at the center. Who is like you, O Lord? No one. No one is like you, Lord. You are unique. So how do you apply this? What would you say is at the center of the chiasm of your life? What is the center of the chiasm of your life? The thing that you value most, the thing that without which uh, you would despair or, or, or perish. What is like nothing else to you? What is overall and above all? What is unique? Church, I urge you, it needs to be the Lord. He needs to be at the center. Nothing else deserves this place at the center of your life. Celebrate this. There is none like the Lord who triumphs gloriously by sinking His enemies and guiding His people to the place of worship. Who is like the Lord? Who is like Jesus? When Simeon saw Him in Luke 2, said, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. Who is like Jesus who has preserved His people and sunk sin and death? Who is like Jesus who rescues the lowly and the sinner yet casts out the prideful and the hard-hearted? Who is like Jesus? I'm going to pray and then we get the chance to sing to this Lord and worship Him who is like no one else. Father, You have triumphed most gloriously. You have thrown the horse and the rider into the sea, yes, but You've also, Lord, thrown sin and death into the sea for all who confess Christ. And Lord, we lean on Christ wholly and completely. Help us to praise You now, the one and the only God, the one who is like no one else. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.